Are you satisfied with your understanding of sustainability? If not, like me, imagine a journey together, a pluralistic one, with innovators, startup, academia, NGO, all together looking for solution to the greatest challenge of our time. I'm Samuel Ettini, and this is The Sustainability Journey. Welcome to another episode, and today we explore a three-facet way, inner development and sustainability. How these two dimensions can be brought together and how mindfulness, investments, B Corp, they can play a role. And we do it with an expert. We do it with Davina O, who is a passionate advocate. She wrote books, she discussed. So thank you so much, Davina, for being here with us today. Thank you, Samuel, for the kind introduction. Davina, I know you are playing a role in sustainable investment, asset management. You are in the B Corp movement. But you also are, you are an expert in the mindfulness movement. And we really want to know the connection. But as usual, the question that we ask our guest, who is Davina? What is your sustainability journey? So back in uh, 2016, I had worked for more than a decade in traditional finance, non-ESG investments and asset management. And I had this pivotal moment where, you know, the stress was really too much. I was uh, working late hours quite often due to results and different meetings and traveling all the time. I actually ended up in something called IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, where you have a really kind of sore stomach. And I was a Mandarin Oriental in Singapore doing meetings with companies, actually. And my stomach was so sore that I actually had to go to a disabled toilet, lie down on the floor. I took off my dress. I lay down on the floor in a disabled toilet just to get some rest and some respite from the pain that I was feeling. I had that kind of moment as I was staring up at the ceiling, like there has to be a different way to live. This is not healthy for me. I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm doing here. And that really changed my uh, life forever. That that one kind of moment where you're just lying there, semi-naked on a floor in a toilet thinking, why am I here? What am I doing? I took some time out from my career. I went on a little inner journey of myself. I had already done quite a lot of yoga. I signed up for yoga teacher training and just before that moment, actually. So that was, that had kind of, already put me on the path of that inner work, that inner exploration. But I also did a lot of traveling. I went to the Amazon. I spent a bit of time in the Amazon and I saw with my own eyes deforestation there in Brazil. And I also climbed Kilimanjaro for polar bears international. You know, I saw the plight of polar bears, the lack of ice in the Arctic for them. And I thought, well, I'm climbing Kilimanjaro. I should uh, raise, raise money at the same time. And then I also realized that the top of Kilimanjaro is not just the polar bears that don't have any ice, the ice cap of Kilimanjaro is pretty much almost gone. You're in that part of the world. I'm sure you've climbed it and, and you know yourself as well. And there's not much ice there. And thank you for sharing a lot this moment. It's the moment that is coming in many episodes. People that left career that, of course, they were giving also very good financial rewards, but they were not finding the purpose. And it's a trend that is coming and coming. So, and in this journey to find the purpose, you have now are the convergence of three aspects that sometimes people, they say, man, this is one part. They look like it's like silos. However, for you, they are together and connect. I'm talking about the sustainable investment, the B Corp movement, and then B Corp uh, meditation and yoga. So how do you see the interconnection of these apparently different areas? You know, the B Corp, the enterprise, the yoga. You know, that moment made me think and that period of time in my life made me do a lot of 
reflection on my inner world about my previous journey and then how did I want to be conscious about my next career choices as well. So, you know, if you think about it, right, your inner world has a direct impact of how you see, perceive, and use, you know, your skill set in your outer world. So that made me realize that, you know, I wanted to become more conscious. You know, a lot of our unconscious um, behaviors and patterns can be very harmful, not just to ourselves, but also to our communities, the environment that we operate in. And I think, you know, the world is really suffering from a few things. One of them is apathy. You know, we are blindly accepting the way things have been in the system and we're not sure how to change it. So we leave the systemic issues that are there where, you know, we've got this eco-anxiety about us, but we don't know how to do anything about it, for example. And then we have, you know, disconnection, right? We're very disconnected, even though we have all these technology devices, Apple iPhones and, you know, internet and all of this, but, you know, loneliness and disconnection is one of the biggest uh, mental health crises of today as well. So I saw this as this inner world really being a reflection of what our outer world is showing, right? We're also burned out and stressed at the same time the planet is burned out and very under stress with the resource depletion that's going on as well. So when I thought about my next career, I thought my skill set is in finance. I should look at something more sustainable, sustainable finance. But I also have a dual career, right? I wanted to have an impact on people's inner world. So I had the skill set as well as a yoga teacher. I didn't want to just teach physical classes where people were, you know, doing headstands and nice Instagram poses. I wanted to teach people about the truth philosophy of yoga and help people understand what the, the true meaning of yoga is. And that really is all about unpacking the mind. So that's how I kind of thought about putting my career together in these different um, spaces that seem very diverse, but actually are very well connected. I and I want to go a bit deeper. So we can start from the outer world, the investment space. You are the stewardship partnership officer of a B Corp that is called Panarchy Partners. And the company is a bit paving the way for sustainable asset management. How you can do that? And you know, what is Panarchy Partner trying to revolutionize a bit the, the way asset management is done? So Panarchy Partners was founded in 2018, really just before ESG became that household name that everybody now talks about and knows about, and which I think is amazing. Because when we first started, there was a lot of question mark. What is ESG? Is it important? Does it impact financial markets like or financial investments? Um, you know, it was, it was really still a little bit of a niche subject area, whereas now everyone is, is really talking about it. And so what makes us different is that we invest in purposeful companies. They're listed equity companies globally. A lot of people work in the impact space, but I think people also forget that large listed incumbent sectors who usually have the top market share or top two or three market share of whatever industry they are in the world, they are actually also very influential at changing the system. And um, so we invest in companies that are purposeful, that are impacting their ecosystem. And one thing that I think makes us a little bit different um, when it comes to investment and decision making is the fact that we require all of our companies to have done a stakeholder engagement and have a public materiality assessment available as well. And that is before we even get to the financial investing um, side. So usually people do their financial portfolio, they look at companies, they decide these are the companies we want to own, then they do their ESG analysis on the companies. Whereas we do all of that ESG analysis prior to them being into the shortlist of investments. So we understand 
how our companies are impacting their ecosystem, the environment around them, the society that they're in, what their impact is before we decide whether they are deemed worthy of being in a portfolio. So that's how we differentiate a little bit. I like the way you have shifted a bit the timings. Oh, so it's not an additional or nice to have when the financial are okay. It is like a prerequisite of the work. And I think also the company has shown their commitment going through the B Corp certification. We have hosted many B Corp. And I want to ask how the certification has shaped the strategy and the operation. What, what have you seen as benefits from becoming a B Corp? And from day one, we knew that we wanted to become a B Corp. So we started our journey as we set up the company. That was really part of our conscious decision-making about being a certified B Corp company, about Panarchy Partners itself, what impact it has. And it was also a way for us to do some soul-searching as well, because if we're going to go to very large listed companies and you know try and speak to them, engage with them on various sustainability issues... We couldn't really be hypocritical, right? We wanted to be able to look at ourselves internally and say, are we meeting the benchmark of what we think is a sustainable company? What's our impact as a company? So along with um, B Corp certification, we also set up the Panarchy Foundation as well, which uh, where 50% of our net performance fees um, every year is given to as well. And the team can decide which charities can be supported. We came up with three stakeholders that we thought were very important to the team. And that's children, animal, and earth, which are really the voiceless, you know, in the ecosystem that we talk about, right? So that was the reason that we came up with those. So really, it helped us reflect on what a good company is. And also what I love about the B4 certification, opposed to other certifications out there, is that it, not only is it very thorough, but we believe that sustainability is a journey. We take many data points when we look at our company. And with B Corp certification, you're required to recertify every three years. And that journey is very important. You know, we started off on day one. We just recertified now three years later. But day one, we weren't meeting the benchmark, right? We still had a long way to go. And after our first year of operations, we submitted. We received B Corp certification. We scored 105. We just recertified. We scored 128. So that commitment to improving on ourselves, you know, we had three years to improve that score, to think about how our impact is as a company, not just as an asset manager. So what I really like of the B Corp certification is this continuous improvement journey. So sustainability is not like, okay, we have reached and it's showcased sort of from 105 to 128. So you've seen, and I really like the way you have stepped and walked the talk. And, and it's also enabled you to, to understand better companies and the work you do. And really now we have touched the investment, the outer world. So, you know, you are lining on investment, you are working, you are investing in a purposeful company. You do the, your due diligence before, the ESG impact, the B Corp certification. But then the human factor. Behind the numbers, there are people. Let me put it in this way. I've seen you have started a journey also into the meditation. I can say really successful. Millions of listeners and around the world and discussion. So learn to meditate with me. So how did you start also that journey? Pivoting from the investment space. And what inspired also you? So I did my basic yoga teacher training quite a long time ago. But like I said previously, I felt like there was so much more to yoga than simply just the physical part. The physical part is helpful and useful, but I definitely felt the impacts during that training um, on my mind, on myself, my mindset. And I wanted to understand a little bit more about that journey. 
um, of going deeper with yoga from a philosophical point of view. So I decided to study um, something called IRS meditation certification. IRS is actually used by the US military to treat as an alternative holistic therapy and PTSD. So it's a very, very powerful tool. It's a form of meditation that basically anyone can do. It's pretty safe for most populations. And it's very therapeutic. You lie down, you listen to someone's voice, you don't need to do anything. And you're guided as your brainwaves go into deeper, deeper brainwaves, very similar to sleep. And you know what I loved about this? I thought is that the world needs this. This is a really important aspect of where what's gone wrong in the world, right? We're so used to being active, doing, 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 but we haven't been taught how to rest. And even with some meditation techniques, maybe you have seen them or practiced them, a focused awareness meditation, where you're seated up and you're very focused on your breath or part of your body or a mantra or something, you're still doing something. You're still actively doing that meditation. Whereas this was completely lie down, let go and relax. And it's a very, very powerful, I would say, I mean, I guess psychological tool in that sense, because as you let go and rest, you know, and you go work through those deeper brainwaves, Various things come to you from your past or solutions for different things. It just allows you to be more open to other things, maybe that's in your subconscious mind that you haven't been present to. You know, if I look at the reflection with the outer world, you know, we haven't been present to the climate crisis, right? That's why we're in it. So, you know, I feel like this resting is super important to solving not just our own inner issues of anxiety or whatever it is, it's also important to rest and reflect upon our ecosystem, right? Our environment, our, our, all the beings that are on this planet. So it just so happened that um, I run a private practice in Singapore when I was there. And one of my clients, she works at a record label called Firefly Wellness. And, and she was like, more people need to know about this and do this. So would you mind recording some meditations for, you know, they are, they're published on Spotify and Apple Music. So, so luckily they're there and people, I get people message me from around the world every day saying, thank you so much. I'm really enjoying the meditations. It's just um, been amazing to see how technology can help as well as kind of hinder our connection and that, that issue I was talking about earlier. Fantastic. And we will put the links into the description so people they sure they will check it out and see and the second step from the meditation you also went deeper into yoga as you have mentioned a bit before it is not just a sort of substitute of a gym but it's like a philosophy and then you have also now gone to extend to write a book philosophy of yoga can you explain a bit more also how this is connected with with a journey to sustainability so really it's going back to people some of my clients you know struggling with various you know mental health issues maybe it's sleep maybe it's anxiety could be a variety of different things maybe they're going through something in their life but just like i went through that awakening moment where things just got so much for me that when i was lying on the floor in the mandarin oriental hotel i realized that i'm not alone that's a story that's very prevalent across millions and millions of people around the world. And they're searching for something. They're searching for healing. They're searching for solutions. They need something. So I wrote this book, The Psychology of Yoga, really to support people on that journey of they're feeling a lot of pain, a lot of anxiety, a lot of grief maybe. 
and how they can begin that journey of resting and healing themselves as well. So it's really for a blueprint for people to realize that yoga is so much more than what you see in a physical class, like on Instagram or whatever, you know, in the adverts that we're given. We've been blessed by the yogis in India thousands of years ago, you know, three, three and a half thousand years ago or more, that this is a cure and a free, almost free cure practice that's been handed to us. It's really fascinating. And also we'll put the link to the book because it's available online and you can go and go deeper a bit on how to see the philosophy and what is behind and discover your journey in that. And now a question that I think is coming. They look like two legs. You know, you have mindfulness, you have um, the world, so, and the outer world. So how this journey, inner journey, can play a pivotal role? How do you think that this relaxation, yoga, can play a role in addressing our systemic issues that we are having in our planet now? So if you speak to anybody nowadays, the one word you'll um, hear back if you ask them, how are you, is usually stress. I'm stressed. They have no idea why they're stressed. They're just stressed. They're running around like headless chickens, doing their work, running family life, doing all these things. They're in survival mode. That's not what the planet needs because stress makes us biologically selfish, right? And there's nothing wrong with that, right? We, we do need to be selfish. We need to focus on our survival, but it also doesn't allow us to have that bigger or wider picture. It doesn't allow us to relax into the present moment, right? We're always worried about the future or ruminating about the past. And what we actually need is more connection, more empathy, more kindness in the world. And, you know, there was an interesting search done quite a while ago by the University of Michigan in 2010, which said that it found that College students today are 40% less empathetic than they were 30 years ago. So basically since 2000, people are becoming less empathetic. And that isn't what we need, right? We need more empathy. We need more connection. And so I found that meditation as a practice. So I just wanted to clarify the difference between meditation and mindfulness here as well. Meditation as a practice is something that you do on your own. You sit in meditation. You can also have a mindfulness practice. And that mindfulness practice can also be very um, prevalent while you're texting somebody, walking. You could be mindfully eating, mindfully doing the dishes. But meditation is where you're actually seated and you're going inwards and doing that, that inner work. And I see that when people begin a meditation practice, not only do they understand themselves better, they understand themselves in relationship to others, society, and the environment better. And then they act more mindfully in their lives. Maybe they just start breathing when there's an argument or impacting their family members. They just see the other person's perspective, right? Rather than escalating the issue. And it can also filter all the way down into how we act in society and how we think about the environment as well. So that's where I see how these two things interplay. Oh, and there's one more thing I wanted to bring up on this as well as how they're intersected is that I'm not sure if you're aware of this, I'm sure you are, but um, out of Europe in the past, really since the pandemic, there has been developed the inner development goals, which are 23 different inner characteristics that we need in order for the sustainable development goal, the UN SDGs, in order for them to be achieved. 
And there was actually a very interesting um, report from B Corps a few years ago, just I think around or after the pandemic as well. And um, B Corps had this UN SDG impact measurement um, tool as well. And they also found that the SDG development had stalled during that period of time. And I love how the inner development goals have come in and people have realized that we need this inner development in order to achieve some of our outward sustainable development goals. It's really interesting. And it's a movement that we are trying even to touch in the future in the portal because it's something that often overlooked, especially in the business world where we need to be tough and crunch number. But on the other side, we, we lose the focus. And sometimes also when we embark sustainability with the, our old mindset, like doers, Sometimes we risk on the way to be disconnected or stressed, or we see that our efforts are not bringing results. It's really fascinating your work and it's really how do you bring together the two areas. And I want to ask, how now do you see the future development now in the two areas? So the investment and the world, the inner world. So how do you also try to integrate this into the world, into your work and uh, how do you foresee this movement going ahead? So I did a little bit of reflection on this, and I love this quote by uh, that came from Otto Sharma, who is the founder of the Presencing Institute. And he says, the primary battlefield of the century is with ourselves. If I were to look at ESG, right, what are we actually trying to achieve with ESG, right? We're trying to leave a planet that um, future generations can inhabit. We're trying to price in externalities that weren't priced in before climate, water, all of these things, the society. And we're also looking at the pain avoidance, right? Like the risks from all of these issues that are now happening in the world as well. And then I reflected like, if we were to apply ESG to ourselves as well, that inner part, what is it that we need to achieve as well, right? It's governance of, so we take governance, right? It's governance of self, right? Self-governance reflection on what we are doing in the world. It's social, our relationship with ourselves, our families, and you know, society, the environment. And then environmental relationship to our ecosystem, trees, animals, farming, agriculture, all of these things, right? We can look at it from that type of framework. So I really am starting to see that the future of the planet really comes down to how we are applying ESG to ourselves, right? That's how I see it's all of our individual efforts that are going to have um, systemic change. Yes, we can go out there and lobby governments and do all of these things, but we all know that the system created these problems. We need a different way in order to solve some of them. And the way that we can do that is, I think, through as much as anything, self-stewardship, right? Looking at this ESG from an internal perspective as much as we do in an investment area as well. It made me reflect a lot when I was listening to you because it's really the conjunction of the two women and really, I think it's the way to go. And usually also the people that are listening to us, they might say, fantastic, Davina, I'm really touched. But now, because you say the responsibility is ours, we need to battle ourselves. So what are your tips for people that want to start a journey? So that inner work really is, is tough. I have to say, it can be very painful. You know, a lot of emotions can come up. You need to have a very good um, safety toolkit, I think. You know, inner resilience, um, a personal sense of safety. A lot of us are holding on to trauma, generational trauma. There's a lot of things going on there. 
um, you know, deeper down, right, within our own psyche. I know it's very difficult for people to do meditation, particularly the one I mentioned earlier, focused awareness practice. I really recommend doing something more gentle. I think most of us don't need another thing on our to-do list. We need rest. So I think resting and doing this form of yoga nidra meditation, the IRS meditations that I discussed, and can be very, very helpful for people starting out on a meditation journey and to do that. I also think that we need to just be more mindful in life, you know, be more conscious, educating ourselves about the climate crisis and what we can do, whether it's not going cold turkey on meat, but eating less meat, right? Less red meat or deciding to take the bike to work or all of these small conscious decisions that we create will have an, a greater impact collectively. I think it's also a need to understand that we are not silos, we're not individual units, that we are all connected. I hope that people are starting to see that um, with all the, the climate change issues around the world that are happening, whether it's in Australia or California or Europe, is that we're all facing the same problems. You know, for organizations, I really think that the B Corps movement helps people provide a framework for that journey. Like we discussed earlier, this is a journey. This isn't just like, I've done it, I'm ticking the box. I think it provides an opportunity for some soul searching and for improvement, which I think sustainability, you know, your podcast is called Sustainability Journey. I love that because it is a journey. We all start somewhere, we all have a baseline and we're all looking to improve from there. And I want to share like a case study of somebody who actually went through this because I think there's not usually a blueprint that's very easily, or, you know, most people point Patagonia, right? It's such a big company now, people are like, oh, how do I become Patagonia and all this stuff? But most people don't know this company, I guess, from in the sustainability community. But uh, it's a case study I love and this book that I love. That might be a print called Minding Your Business. And it's by the founder of Aveda. It's a hair care uh, company, if you, if you don't know it. His name was Horst uh, Rachel Bakker. I'm sure I'm butchering that. It's a German name. He founded this hair company to be very sustainable and this is prior to the B Corps movement. This is prior to 2000s. You know, this is like back in the 70s and 80s. He, just, he realized how toxic hair products were, like all the dyes and the chemicals and how people were getting sick and getting cancer from all of them. And he created this whole business of Veda around sustainability and profits that restore the planet and really how we're all interdependent and how he can work with the ecosystems in the Amazon and support people who want to have their hair colored in America. And, you know, this whole 360 degree view that you can have on one industry. And I think it's a fascinating book because he really talks about it from his own personal journey and how that influenced him in the corporate and the organizational world and how it led to him founding a, a very big company in Alaveda as well. So I, I love this example because really he talks about the principles of enlightened capitalism. And I think this, this just provides a really good blueprint for organizations, founders, anybody who's interested to think about how you're running your business and how it can have an impact in beyond just shareholders. Very powerful message. 
and a lot of food for thoughts for the people that are listening. We will put all the links, everything that you have mentioned because, and I will also start the journey because it's really important to the continuous improvement. And also our portal is trying in a way to give voice to people and to bring the voice of change maker, people giving solution and working for a positive world. We have a lot of negativity in the world. Positivity is what we need to say there is open, there is possibility to change the trend. So, Davina, I really want to thank you so much for your wonderful episode and for a wonderful insight. It's been a pleasure and honor hosting you. Thank you, Samuel. Are you satisfied after this wonderful episode? Let's continue together our sustainability journey.